It is so easy to break down and destroy. The heroes are those who make peace and build. And I don't need to tell you who said that, but folks, this is so true. And, and, and you know, for me personally, you've heard me say, I am, a, I am a builder in so many ways. You know, I studied civil engineering. Uh, when I was a kid, I always loved building things. I was always, you know, playing in the dirt with my cars and I was focusing on making roads and tunnels, you know, playing in the dirt more than playing with the cars. And uh, I suppose it was a, not surprising that I studied engineering, civil engineering. And, uh, you know, I worked for, for nearly 10 years in PE uh, in the Paul Elizabeth municipality before we went into ministry in 2001. So, so that means literally this year, it's 20 years since we stepped into full-time ministry. But since then, I've been committed to building lives, building a great church in Peter Maritzburg. And when Pastor Roger shared last week, when he shared, um, and this is my sermon title, if you want to, if you want to know, um, is Rebuild Peter Maritzburg. Um, ah, sorry, folks, I, I'm just trying to um, get my, my slides. Um, there we go. Rebuild Peter Maritzburg. And there's the scripture that Pastor Roger shared, Nehemiah 2 verse 18, let us rise up and build. And so for me, this, this verse has been the go-to verse, and this is where we're going to go this morning. Just looking at Nehemiah, what was Nehemiah talking about? What was, what's the context of him saying this? Now, I mean, if you've read your Bible a bit, you know that Nehemiah's mission was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But I actually wanted to take a step back, and, and I, I firstly want to remind us that the book before Nehemiah is Ezra, and Ezra is the story of these exiles coming back from Babylon, and in Ezra, they first rebuild the, the temple, and, and then in Nehemiah, Nehemiah comes back, this is the third wave of exiles returning, and they now rebuilding the walls, and just if you think about, and I was reflecting on our personal journey, you know, the Lord has, has, we came to Peter Maritzburg, and we have established um, a church where God has given us a physical building, etc. I feel like, you know, we've done the Ezra thing in terms of building, and now, obviously, with this crisis that hits our city, um, you know, everybody's heart is, let's, let's build. How can we build? And so, you know, with Nehemiah, I also want to just point out that you know, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king in Babylon. And so he wasn't a major, you know, mover and shaker leader of Israel. He was moved when he heard the state of Israel's walls. He was moved by compassion and, and he made an appeal, uh, a literally a death-defying appeal to the king, found favor with the king. The king sent him uh, with, with letters of authorization and resources and timber to rebuild with. So an amazing story of just somebody with a vision making a difference. But let's look at what the scriptures say. And so uh, let, me, let me just go over there. Where are my controls? There we go. Um, let's, let's read this, this portion of scripture. Um, it's uh, from Nehemiah chapter 2. 
And this is um, about Nehemiah now. Uh, and it's literally, the, in, in your Bible, my Bible, it says rebuilding the wall. Then I said to them, this is Nehemiah, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision or disgrace. So there he's calling, let come, let us build. Verse 18, and I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good. And, and there he would be referring to the favor he got with the king and the authorization from the king and the resources, etc. And also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. Folks, can you see this is the response from the people. Nehemiah says in the previous verse, verse 17, let us build. And the response for the people is, yes, let us rise up and build. And if you look in our nation, folks, I mean, when I look in the news, I was reading the Sowetan just recently. They had a whole issue on rebuilding. That was the title of the, of the message. I was looking on TV last night. Uh, it was an ad somewhere during the rugby, but let's not discuss the rugby. And it was an ad from one of the big uh, uh, shopping centers. I think it was a, a shop right or somebody. And the, the theme of the, the, the ad was, let's rebuild. Um, I, I see our premier of KZN is saying rebuild. This word rebuild is all over. It's like this resonance from the people. Let's, let's rebuild. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. They strengthened their hands for the good work. This is what the people did. And folks, I'm trusting that, you know, as I bring this word, that your strength would flow into your hands for this good work. Verse 19, but when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us. Folks, <laughs> you read Nehemiah, there are literally, there are two or three chapters in the book that literally just described the opposition that they had to building. Uh, and these guys said, the, the, the enemy said, what is this thing that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Because they, they didn't know he had authority from the king. And so they're first kind of doing a legal challenge. Have you heard that one before? But I want to just say the reality of facing opposition, absolutely. Folks, from when we came to Peter Maritzburg, we, we were like, we are coming to build this city. And we have what happened, uh, the looting. That is the enemy trying to oppose the good work that, 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 that God wants to do in the city. And we are still saying, um, look at what, what, what Nehemiah replied. Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. Folks, God is going to make us prosper in this good work that he's called us. And we, his servants, that's you and me, will arise and build. Folks, that's in the face. How do we respond in the, in the light of such, such an attack against builders in the city? His response is, we will arise and build. That's the third time in three verses that this word build is used. And, and, and he's saying, we will arise and build. And just think about arise is the opposite to, to let's say, sitting down, falling down, playing dead, uh, giving up. Uh, walking away, etc. Arise is the opposite. There is, there is, there is just something inside of you that says, "No, we're not going to give in to the enemy." But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem, folks. That is a spiritual warfare prayer. Remember, we do not wage war against powers and principalities, but 
uh, sorry, against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. We say to powers and principalities, you have no portion or right or claim in Peter Maritzburg, in Jesus' name. That is a spiritual declaration. We speak scripture. We say no. We take authority over the force of wickedness that everyone steal, kill, and destroy, loot, and and destroy and burn. We say no. You have no portion or right or claim in the city. We take charge. We take authority. Folks, I trust you. You sense the spirit of God just coming on us as we arise and build. It starts in the spirit, but it results in practical action. And I want to unpack that. And then I'm going on. Uh, I want to go on. And this is a prophetic word that Zinzi actually brought. Um, she brought this, folks, during our time of consecration, uh, which was happening in the week of all this looting happening, etc., and Zinzi brought this prophetic word, and um, we've actually have contacted her. And Zinzi, do you mind just unmuting yourself? I've got it on the screen. Uh, if you want to share it, I mean, you can read it from the screen or from wherever. But won't you just share this word with us about rebuilding? Okay, sure. Thanks, Pastor Jacques. Morning, everyone. Morning, family. Um, so this is a word that I got um, during, like Pastor Jacques said, our time of prayer and consecration. And um, in the midst of all of this happening, God just gave me this word over Peter Maritzburg, over the territory of Peter Maritzburg that, <clears throat> sorry, um, I think that the city of Peter Maritzburg is mightily blessed by the Lord to have the dawn of a new day break forth from this place. I don't wish to sound insensitive to the current and very real situation of wasting and economic loss, but I truly believe that out of this will emerge the Zerubbabels, those who will be like a signet ring on the finger of the Lord, those who will rebuild the walls and see the rebuilding to completion, the levelers of mighty mountains. There's a grace being released, a grace to rebuild, a grace for the sons of God to arise and reshape industries and place capstones, the finishing touches of, on those spheres, and the people will indeed shout grace, grace to it. As people have so sadly lost their jobs, they are those captains of industry that God has been training and has kept hidden until such a time as this. These are the people whose time it is to arise and shine for their light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon them. I'm also hearing the word deployment. That may be some people have been strategically deployed into specific zones for this very purpose. Amen, amen, that's so good. Sure, thank you, Zinzi. Folks, what an amazing word for a time like this and we will share this and and you know as we always do we'll post this on our website etc folks i want this prophetic word to be a focus of our prayers let this ignite your faith let this let this inspire your vision and most importantly let this cause our hands and our feet to move into i like the word deployment into actually making a difference so I want to share uh, chapter three. So we read chapter two where Nehemiah speaks to the people and says, says let's rebuild. And the people say, they, their respond is, let us arise and rebuild. 
The enemies come oppose him and he, and he says, no ways, we're going to build despite enemy opposition. And what I want to highlight, now I, I just put what I could fit on the screen from chapter three. What I want to, I want to read and, and, well, let me read and then I'll comment just what it says over here. Verse two of chapter three, it says, and next to him, the men of, men of Jericho built and next to them, them Zakir, the son of Imri built. The sons of Hassana built the fish gate, and next to them Merimoth repaired, and next to them Meshulam repaired, and next to them Zadok repaired, and next to them the Tekoites repaired. Jehoiada and Meshulam repaired the gate of Yeshua, and next to them repaired Malieta and Jaden. Next to them Uziel, goldsmiths repaired. Next to him Hanina, one of the perfumers repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, and ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jediah, repaired, opposite his house. Next to him, Hattush, repaired. Next to him, Shulam, ruler of half the district of Jerusalem, repaired. He and his daughters, Hanan, and the inhabitants of Zana, repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and repaired a thousand cubits of wall. Dot, dot, dot. And this is just the first few verses. goes on. Folks, what, was, what struck me was how varied and what, how, what different backgrounds the people were that were committed to building. I mean, it says they were perfumers. What do perfumers, people who make perfume, what do they know about rebuilding? But they rebuilding. What do goldsmiths know about building walls? What does a ruler of half the district of, of Jerusalem know about building? There's one guy, his only claim to fame is that his house is next to the wall. So the section of wall that he was building was next to his house. And then, of course, I particularly like this dude, Shalom, who repaired he and his daughters. Amen. Come on. This was everybody was involved over here. They were repairing and rebuilding. Can you hear the word repair and rebuild, repair, rebuild, rebuild, repair, just, just going throughout? Everybody was involved from different districts, it's mentioned, not everybody from Jerusalem, from different districts, people came in to rebuild. I am so struck by how everybody was involved. Nobody was saying, no, sorry, I, I don't know how to rebuild walls, etc. I mean, from daughters to goldsmiths, to perfumers, to people from outside Jerusalem, to rulers, everybody was involved in rebuilding. I just love it. It was such a community such a, a, a core, and everybody got involved. And you can carry on reading your, uh, on your side. I want to come back to, you know, if we're going to rebuild, folks, we are part of every nation. This is the every nation mission statement, and I'm, I'm sure you'll know it well. We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. And, you know, one of the things it's always we need to say what, what, what is going to guide us as a local church regarding how we are going to build, okay? And this guides us in terms of three character traits of the kind of churches and campus ministry that we're going to build. They're going to be Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible. Those three um, concepts have got to guide us in terms of how we build. Because the focus now, when we talk about rebuilding, there's no doubt the word socially responsible is what is, 
is resonating. That is what we are called to do, to be socially responsible. Socially refers to society and responsible means we respond to the needs of a society. Now, historically in the church, caring for widows and orphans, you read your Bible, that was where the church started being socially responsible because those were the most vulnerable members of society back then. And so that's where the church's uh, social responsibility started. But, but if we look at the need in our city, it's huge. And so, folks, we definitely are saying amen to being socially responsible. But I don't want us, and somebody said, somebody did, I was speaking to somebody this week, and, 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 and he kind of said, oh, uh, uh, kind of, is, is this now, you're going to become an NGO? And, and, and I was like, yes, but no, but we're a church. You cannot say that we cannot because, yes, there's so many NGOs doing all kinds of this stuff. But, folks, we are saying yes, and I want to unpack this. I want to say some of the initiatives we want to get involved in in terms of being socially responsible. But we are not going to do this without remaining Christ-centered and spirit-empowered. We want to be socially responsible at church. And I just also, just this week, had a such a such a shocking story of a ministry that was birthed in a local church doing uh, the socially responsible ministry, caring for the, the needy in society. And, and this is, is, is a ministry that Jen and I, many years ago, were very committed. We gave financially to this ministry. And we just recently heard that that ministry is not part of the church at all. They have professional social workers and doctors in what they're doing now. But it's not at all related to the church. They are, yes, they're caring for the, you know, the widows and orphans, the needy. It's absolutely. But there's nothing about being Christ-centered and spirit-empowered about that, really, NGO anymore. And, and Jen and I were just like, this, this, the, the social responsibility is birthed because we are Christ-centered. We have the heart of Jesus because the Spirit of God empowers us. And we don't want to be, lose our moorings, lose our lose, lose the, the basics, the fundamentals in, in any of our social responsibility responses in terms of not being Christ-centered or spirit-empowered anymore. So I just want to highlight this. And I, and I remember about a couple of months ago, Anne actually called me. And Anne asked me this a few months ago. She said, she asked me about the mission statement. And she said, Jacques, in terms of being socially responsible, his people in Peter Maritzburg, how do you see that out working? And and this was my response, and Anne, you can bear me out. I said, Anne, a major focus for our local church from the day we arrived here is to plant one foot on the campus and one foot in the community. Our commitment to campus ministry and ministry to our community has always, we've always held that tension. And I said, I said what we give to our campus ministry is significant for our local church. Every individual, every, every organization, what do you have to give? Time, talents, and treasures. We have, we have always had staff dedicated to our campus ministry. Amu, Amu's official job description is campus missionary. We, we support her financially, um, we, the, the time that we give to our students. And, and let me highlight the fact, you know, that in, in, our, in our context, our students... I estimate over 16 years, we've reached between 1,000 and 1,500 students. Only a handful of them have remained in our church and sowed back into our church 
as working folks giving their time, talents, and treasures back to our church. We have sown for many years into people who, when they graduate, leave the city, go to other places, bless other cities and churches and ministry, I, I'm sure. But sowing into campus ministry is, is our equivalent of being socially responsible, responsible. God has given us a grace for that. And we have sowed our time, our talents, and treasures for many years to to folks and, and reality, they, the, the, the leaders of tomorrow on our, on our campuses today. And what kind of leaders do we want to have? Do we want people who, who, when they get into leadership positions, all they are interested in is about corruption and how much money they can steal? Or do we want people who will actually build our nation and be stewards of the money that they are entrusted with and not steal it? And so I just want to say that has always been a big focus for us. But in this time, we definitely are looking at some other socially responsible um, uh, initiatives. But I want to just come back and I want us to be, be reminded that being Christ-centered and spirit-empowered is how we're going to be socially responsible. If we ever get to just focus on social responsibility and we're no longer Christ-centered or doing it by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, personally, I'm saying, I don't know if I want to be involved, because ultimately, we want people to come to know Jesus. Ultimately, we want to do this in by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength. Otherwise, we, we burn out and, and just peter out, etc. So that's so important. And regarding Christ-centered, I, I just felt I wanted to remind us, in Acts chapter 2, we know it's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Phenomenal Holy Spirit pours out their tongues of fire. The, the, the gifts of the Spirit are, to, are imparted to people. People are prophesying. They're praying in tongues. The gift of tongues is released on people. It's an amazing, amazing experience. And then Peter gets up. Anybody saying, what is going on? Are they drunk? What is going on? And Peter gets up. And in Acts chapter 2, the last, uh, last few verses, he preaches. And it, it, it may take up like a page in your Bible. But it's, if you read it, it's actually like, you read it, it's like two or three minutes you read it through that's how long he preaches for it's not long and he starts off by saying yes and he quotes from joel in the last days my spirit will be poured out but if you look at what he says he's talking about jesus the whole message he's talking about he actually is not explaining tongues or or prophecy he just says it's going to happen uh, or you, you know the fire of god or he's talking about jesus and remember jesus had said to the disciples that the job of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. And Peter literally, under anointing the Holy Spirit, is, is now experiencing what Holy Spirit comes to do, and that is to glorify Jesus, that Jesus be the center. I'm, I'm amazed if you look at what Peter preaches, the content of his sermon, it's about Jesus and the whole story of how Jesus came, what he did, the cross, etc. And he finishes this amazing sermon, this three-minute sermon, in verse 36 to verse 38, and he says, let all the house of Israel therefore know. So folks, remember, it is Passover. So Israel is full of Israelites. I mean, Jerusalem's full of Israelites and many other people who had embraced Judaism. And so, yes, there were people from many nations, but they all had this Jewish culture, Jewish religion coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. 
So, so he's saying let all the house of Israel. So just know this is the context that most of the people uh, standing in this crowd of 3,000 people that he's talking to there, they, they, they had embraced Judaism. They, the Old Testament was their, was their scriptures. The, so, so this is the people he's talking to. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, talking about Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Verse 37, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And we'll get to Peter's response. But they were cut to the heart. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that is such strong language. They were cut to the heart. Why were they cut to the heart? Now, remember, this is Jewish people he's speaking to. And he says two things to them. He says, this Jesus, whom you crucified, is both Lord and Christ. He uses these two words, Lord and Christ. Folks, I just want to unpack these two words so you can understand why they were cut to the heart. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek. Greek was the language that was used for communication that day. That day. The, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. And so, yeah, Peter's preaching, and he uses the, the, the Greek language words. He uses, he says, Jesus is Lord and Christ. Okay? So the, the, the two Greek words there is kurios Christos. Christos is Christ, and kurios is Lord, the Greek word for Lord. Now, I just want to pause with the word Lord. Now, Lord is a word we as Christians use a lot. We know a lot. But it's also used in many contexts, in legal contexts. In certain, in certain legal places, you would address a judge as my Lord. In the UK, they have one of their houses of parliament is the House of Lords. And you, you meant to address those people there as Lords, these, these politicians. Um, in the UK, you have it's a title if you own certain land and you have some historical, you know, royalty, you literally have the title of Lord. Folks, this, so I'm highlighting that saying that one word in different contexts can mean many things. If you're a landover in England, it just means you're a rich old guy where that has some inheritance. But that's not what these people meant. You know, none of us will be cut to the heart if, 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 I, if I mention the word in that context. This word Lord, folks, is the word that in, in your Bible, if you go do a search on it, you'll, this word will come up over 7,000 times. That is, that is in the Old and New Testament. It is the number one word used for God in the Bible. So yeah, Peter's using this word. And, and in the Greek version of the Old Testament, remember the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but the, it was translated into Greek, and the word that they used in the Greek for, for Yahweh in the Hebrew is this word kurios, which in English is Lord. So Yahweh equals kurios equals Lord. Now, now Peter's preaching to Jewish people who understand the Old Testament, who know that kurios to them equals Yahweh. And Yahweh was the most holy name for God to a Hebrew person. It was so holy, folks. Do you know that 
the, the, the scribes, the people who would transcribe scripture, that word Yahweh was so holy to them that if they wrote the word, so you are now, whatever, you're you are transcribing, for, for example, the book of Nehemiah or Ezra. If you transcribing and you come to the word Yahweh, which in uh, Greek would be kurios or Lord. Once you write that word, your writing pen must be destroyed and you must go and cleanse yourself and go through these ceremonies of washing. You must change your clothes. It was a whole ceremony all around the reality that you have just touched the name Yahweh. It was, yeah. it was such a holy name that in later years, because it was so holy in later years, through the centuries, it was so holy that the scribes actually, when they came to write that word, they wouldn't write it because it was such, it was so holy, they would literally leave it out. And so Bible scholars today aren't even sure exactly how the word is meant to be written in terms of vowels and consonants, etc., because it was so holy, that word Yahweh. And so, folks, this is speaking to Hebrew people, the house of Israel, people who embrace Judaism, who Yahweh is God Almighty, the holiest being on the planet. And Peter is saying Jesus is kurios to them. He's Yahweh. That's why they're getting cut to the heart. They're saying, oh, my goodness. We crucified Yahweh, our God, the God we've been serving for centuries. We have crucified Yahweh, the most holy, pure God who did all the miracles in, in, in years of to come. They were absolute. That's why they were cut to the heart. They say, not Yahweh. Oh, my goodness. We crucified Yahweh. And he didn't just use the word Yahweh. He used the word Christos, which is the word for Messiah. Remember, the whole nation of Israel, there was countless prophesied speaking to that Yahweh would send a Messiah. And the word Christ is the word for Messiah. So here he's saying, we haven't just crucified our God. We have crucified the Messiah that our God prophesied he would send. It's like a double whammy. It's like, can you believe we have just killed God and the Messiah? And that's true. But we know that that was in God's purpose, his divine plan, that the Christ would take the sin of the world and make a way that we can enter his presence, cleansed by his blood, his holiness. We, we know that's his plan. But these guys, why were they cut to the heart? Because they realized this God we've been serving, this God we've been looking forward to, who would send the Messiah, that Messiah, the very God we, were, we have been serving and looking for, he's the one we crucified. That's why they were cut to the heart. And folks, that's what it means. When we say being Christ-centered, folks, it is that God and the Messiah, the, 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 the message of Lordship, that Jesus is Lord, he is God, he is the Messiah. When we say Christ-centered, that's what it is. You can't separate it. When we say being Christ-centered, it's not a separate concept from exactly what Peter is trying to tell these people here, that this Jesus is God, he is Yahweh, he is the Messiah. He's the one life revolves around. He's the one life comes from. If we're going to be socially responsible, it's always just to him because he's called us to this, because he gives us the power to do it. Amen. We are never going to be socially responsible without being Christ-centered and spirit-empowered. Verse 38, Peter said to them, because they said, what should we do? How do 
respond? We just killed God. We've just killed Yahweh. What do we do? And he says, repent. And remember this word repent means literally turn from the way you have going and repent. If you, th if you think of the, the root word, the, the, the term penthouse, for example, a penthouse is the top floor floor of a block of flats. For example, it's usually the most expensive, the best views. It's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful, the best place to stay in a, in, a, in a tall block of flats. But what does repent means? It literally means turn from something to something, but it turn, it means turn from a low view, a low life living to come up here. Repent literally means come higher. It's a call to come higher. Come up here. Come live the life I've called you to live. Come see the way I see things. Come live with me. Literally be seated in heavenly places with Christ. Repent is a, is a huge word. He says, turn from that. Come up here. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, folks. Spirit-empowered ministry. Being Christ-centered means we get the same spirit that was on Jesus. The same spirit that enabled Jesus to do signs, wonders, and miracles. The same spirit is within inside of us. It's the spirit of Christ. Uh, the, the Bible also describes Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ. And that is how we do Spirit-empowered ministry. Now, I'm not going to unpack it because we did a whole series on this earlier this year, April, April, May, somewhere around there. We did looked at four or five weeks on the Holy Spirit. But folks, this is what we're talking about, being Christ-centered and Spirit-empowered. Exist to honor God. And how do we, as every nation churches, honor God? By establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. Now, I want to unpack this just a little bit further regarding socially responsible. Right now, in at the end of July 2021, what is what do we, how do we see, how can we be socially responsible? Now, firstly, I want to say investing in people's lives, discipling people. Pouring into people, helping people to follow Jesus, uh, seeing people being filled with the Holy Spirit is absolutely being socially responsible, but it is more. And I want to say, if you are every single person who has a job in Peter Maritzburg also, you are working, whether you are in education, you are in, in, in law, you are in business, folks, we are every one of us brick by brick rebuilding our city. So, so it's not like you need to quit your job and now you know, join our NGO that's just committed to social responsibility. Folks, every one of us, as long as you are not breaking down our city, most of us, and I believe all of us, you are building, we are building our city by, by, by going to work and building your business, building your law practice, building, uh, uh, investing in people through education, whatever sphere, in the medical sphere, so many of you in medicine, you are building people. You are rebuilding people. So I'm, I'm not saying that is not it, but there is more. And this is what I want to unpack. So we've had a lot of people asking us, um, and particularly our arrows. Our arrows are people who were in Peter Maritzburg in the last 16 years. People have contacted us. They saw in the news what's been happening. They're saying, wow, oh, we want to help. Can we help, et cetera? And we've, we, we basically said, guys, Absolutely, absolutely, and we wanna and we wanna highlight some ways we have and want to and are going to help to be socially responsible. 
And there, there are basically three ways that I want to I want to say. Firstly, last oh week, God, God, so many of you. Oh, there's somebody's talking. Maybe just mute, uh, Zinzi. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, we want to clean up, and we have cleaned up our city. So this is a photograph uh, Jenny actually took last weekend. Uh, there were a whole bunch of us from our church and many other people from our city. They went down to Camps Drift. They were cleaning up there. It was such a mess. And, and, and they just had such an amazing time cleaning up. I know many of you went into the city center last Friday. We're cleaning up. You also sent photographs. It was just amazing. We are committed to cleaning up the mess. And uh, here's another picture. You may notice some folks there from our church. Uh, there's, you can see Walter, there's Trevor over there and a few other folks. Um, we are committed to cleaning up our city. Folks, as Christians, we don't just talk about holiness. This is holiness in action. We're cleaning up our city. But there was, there is more. And I want to speak to you about an amazing opportunity. And that is to assist Raysthorpe, an informal settlement, which is in Raysthorpe. Raysthorpe is literally the center of Northdale. And uh, last uh, Sunday, I was actually invited. As you know, we've, we've been connecting with a, with a PMB for Jesus fraternal of pastors for many years. Literally this week, five years ago, we did that um, PMB for Jesus march to City Hall. Can you believe it was five years ago? And we've built very closely. We, I know the pastors well uh, as part of that fraternal. And they co actually called me last week, 11 o'clock last Sunday. There was a meeting in Raysthorpe with uh, Minister Gwede Mantasha, uh, who came to Peter Marisburg to literally see what had happened. Uh, we had our online service and I couldn't go, but I met with uh, Pastor Neville this week. He contacted me and particularly he wanted to meet with me because as you know, I was uh, for nine years, nearly 10 years in engineering. I worked in PE in the municipality. I worked uh, I was involved in providing civil engineering services for informal settlements, the roads, the stormwater, the sewerage, the water network. I, I literally designed and uh, did put out contracts and was involved in providing services to literally thousands of, of, of sites or, or pieces of land um, in Port Elizabeth um, as an engineer. Um, we, we, we pioneered the whole RDP uh, program in 1995, the government gave 15,000 rand per site for, for, for services. And you know, many engineers said it couldn't be done. And, and my senior engineer said, guys, I believe we can do it. And two of us in three months, we did all the design and we did the contracts for, for literally thousands of sites. And we, we literally proved that it could be done. And it was, a, it, was a, it was an amazing project and season of my life. But I couldn't get away from the call of God into ministry. And I'm still committed to building. So what happened in Raystorp? So just, uh, you know, maybe I should say for sensitive viewers, there's nothing. But this is this pictures we took this week. So Jen and I went. This is Raystorp informal settlement. Now, what you're seeing in the foreground is what's left of this area of the informal settlement. You can see in the background, that is Raystorp. It is an, a well-established Indian area, and right in the middle, in this little area of land, there, there were about 60 or 70 shacks that have been there for about 18 years. And what happened last week when the looting started and Northdale was particularly 
was hit hard with a with a looting. There was a revenge attack on this little informal settlement of about 60, 70 shacks. And uh, a lot of this, these shacks were burnt down. What you're seeing are the burnt and charred remains of shacks. You can see this area was full of shacks uh, two weeks ago. This is what's left. Those poles in the background are actually where the residents have started rebuilding uh, using what sheets they can still use. And here's another picture just of that same area. You can see how bent and buckled the, 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 the sheets are. And you can see the charred remains of where shacks were. Um, you can see in this picture, literally on the side, you can see that's the burnt remains of a mattress. Uh, that's the springs that are left from a mattress. Uh, these shacks that are here, you can see how burnt these sheets are. These are people rebuilding from this disaster, rebuilding their shacks in this area. Next picture, uh, I mean, you can actually see a burnt out car in the background over there. And uh, these, these structures here have actually been rebuilt. And so uh, then in the next picture, this is actually me meeting with, this is actually Pastor Neville, one of the uh, pastors there, discussing how we as the church can help this community. And folks, the reality is they, they need help. The government have said they will rebuild uh, top structures that's not going to happen, happen in a hurry. It may be a year or two that that will happen. It's midwinter there, and we they've approached us as the local church to would we help them. Reality, other communities, the Muslim and Hindu community have not, not stepped up to the plate, and they've turned to the church and they said, would you help? And literally, um, Pastor Neville, I'm talking to Pastor Neville about how we can help. And the, the need is simple. And the need is simply that we, they've asked, could we help provide building materials for them to rebuild their temporary structures? It's literally buying corrugated roof sheeting and poles that the community can rebuild. That is what they are asking. And when, we were, when I was chatting to Pastor Neville, we said as a local church, as his people, we said for sure, this is something we could definitely get behind. And I'm, and I'm not saying this just because it's it's the right thing to do folks we have been working with pastor neville and the pastors in this area for years i trust them we know them we've done many initiatives over many years together i and jenny and i felt like this was god this was a god opportunity for us to step up to the plate even as his people church or as his people church and say we want to help this is this is a, a an urgent need and we definitely want to help with this so we're saying, and we want to share with you folks, we're getting behind this. We are going to see what we can give financially to, to, to buying building materials for these guys to rebuild their temporary structures until their formal structures uh, are, are, are built. So that's the first project. And then I want to just highlight another project. And that is rebuilding in Edendale and in Bali. And you may be saying, well, what does that look like? We have, and I'm not at liberty to give all the details, but there's some folks in our church who've been speaking to us about their heart to particularly reach the unemployed youth in our townships of Edendale and in Bali. And I've just put two maps of Edendale and in Bali. And uh, there in the top right, that's Edendale Hospital, where some of you work and, and have worked for many years you recognize where this this picture is what does this look like so some folk in our church 
have really on, uh, got it on their heart to use soccer as a way to particularly engage the youth in this area. And we have some folks in our church who grew up in this area. And so they, they know people there that they could work with. And again, it's, it's I'm seeing God divinely connect us to people. And so we've been speaking to them and um, we'll definitely give you more details. This is a longer term plan that we're saying we want to get behind. And we are wanting to use soccer as a way to engage young people. And I want to just share with you the strategic significance of, of this and why we see this. The reality is that the looting and violence that erupted in our city, there was definitely a political spark that ignited this fire, that got the fire going. And, you know, many people will analyze the spark that starts the fire. You know, we all know what, what that spark was. But this one, this one person was saying, is the significant thing to look at the spark or is it more significant and more strategic to look at the conditions that were prevailing that caused the fire to start? Because, you know, you can have a spark, but if the wood is wet, it is not going to start a fire. And the question is, why why was the conditions, let's just say in Eden Alimbali, why were the conditions so conducive for a political spark to start such a significant fire in our city? The reality is there is massive unemployment of our young people in these areas. Our education, the education that these people are receiving is not preparing them for life not preparing them for the marketplace. They are hopeless. And so when somebody comes and wants to start a spark, boom, we get a fire so, so quickly. And so we're not operating in the political realm. Other people definitely, and, and you know, political issues need to be sorted out. That's not our zone. We are literally seeing an opportunity for us to get involved on the grassroots level and saying, we want to work with people and do our part, just do our part, so that if in a year or 10, there's another political spark that wants to come and start a fire, the conditions are not conducive. People are not going to respond and get inflamed and get incited to, 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 to loot or cause violence. We say, no, we want to get involved on the grassroots level. And absolutely, we don't just want to you know, doing a career guidance, we absolutely are wanting people to come to know Jesus, that Jesus would change their lives. Folks, and I want to submit to you, you have Christ in the center of your life. When Yahweh, when Kurios, when Christos, Jesus Christ, the Lord of your life, I don't believe a political spark will be able to come and incite you to do the kind of things that we saw happen all across our province in the last few weeks. I, I'm not convinced that if Jesus is your Lord and Master, you will be incited easily to, to respond in that way. On, in the contrary, I believe if Jesus is your Lord, you'll respond in the opposite and not be taken up and not be incited to, 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 to do things that are so destructive. And so, folks, this these are, these are just... Uh, wanting to say two initiatives that we as a local church are doing. And again, you know, if you think of what happened in, the, in, in Nehemiah, what happened in Nehemiah? Each personal group of people 
were just given a section of wall to work on. I believe if, if, if the Church of Jesus Christ in Peter Maritzburg and Richmond and Bulwer and Durban, if we each just say, God, lead us to the section of wall you want us to work on, we're going to be faithful with this section of wall. Father, we're going to invest and rebuild this section of wall. Before long, the wall will be rebuilt and we won't have a situation where a political spark can ignite a fire that is so damaging. So we are just saying, God, we see these opportunities. We're going to invest. We are going to be socially responsible. As Christ-centered, spirit-empowered believers, we are going to be socially responsible. And we are going to build into our city in these ways. And I want to remind us what Madiba, the father of our nation, said. It is so easy to break and destroy. Haven't we seen this? We have cried. We've lamented at the destruction at, at, at how much how much was broken in our in our city and our province and our nation but the heroes are those who make peace and build folks we're calling forth heroes heroes i'm not saying you are going to ever be seen for what you do or what you give your time talents or treasures i don't know what you have to give we all have something to give in those three areas some have more time some have more talents some have more treasures we all have something to give but that's what's required to build but Jesus sees if we, if we will give what we have and we'll be faithful to rebuild the section of wall that God has given us to build. Folks, in God's books, one day before all of creation, Jesus will say, well done, hero. Well done, good and faithful servants. The heroes are those who make peace and build. Our call is to make peace and build. And I want to actually, uh, I want to just finish with that rebuild Peter Maritzburg. Let us rise up and build his people. Would you join us as we respond to this call? In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you just, Lord, that you are our good shepherd. Lord, and I want to thank you that you lead your sheep. Lord, we are the sheep of your pasture. You lead our sheep, your sheep. Lord, I want to thank you for these these, I want to say, these opportunities for us to rebuild aspects of our city. God, give us the wisdom, give us the grace to build. Lord, I pray for a building anointing, a faith to build. Lord, we recognize from scripture, from Nehemiah, we will face opposition. Father, but I pray for us. I pray that the opposition we face will be from without, not from within. I pray as a local church, we would be so united in our commitment and purpose to build. Father, I pray that we would be united against the enemy from without. And God, that you would be glorified. Jesus, that you would be magnified in everything we do. And I pray that we would do this by the power of the Holy Spirit that so powerfully works in us. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. Lord, may that power flow through our bodies our spirits, our souls, as we rebuild our city in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, folks. God bless. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za. And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, 
please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.